This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everybody, welcome. It's another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. It's Patrick and Eddie on the mics tonight. What's up, Ed? How's uh, cold-ass Canada, my friend? Extra cold today. We got hit with the snowstorm, of course. Oh, finally! So the commute home was was uh, fun. Oh, fun. Did, did was, your uh, your sled dogs make it back okay? They didn't have to you have to stop anywhere, and you guys are good. <laughs> well, I, I was at work all day, and the snowstorm hit where I live, and then it made its way all the way to where I work, just for my commute home. <laughs> <laughs> so I had snow the whole way. Nice, that was man. fun. No, it's just yeah. uh, we don't have any snow here in California during the winter. So I mean, it's pretty, pretty, you got pretty normal some of it stuff. When you came up to Toronto, right? You didn't get a lot of it. Uh, Actually, you got pretty good weather. It was like we were in a we were in a in, in Aurora, Ontario, in Canada. So that did have snow yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, good but points. then when you came into the city, I think it was like it wasn't snowing, um, but it was I think snow it was above ground. zero. It was like at least five. It wasn't too bad. There was yeah. snow piles. You guys yeah. were playing the snow in, in basically spring weather. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right well what do we got we got two games yeah man we got nashville and the columbus blue jackets uh some all-star news to talk about uh some returning all-time fan favorites coming back to anaheim tomorrow night when dallas comes to town so we got plenty to talk about here man um good and bad too good and bad which i like it's better than bad yeah. and bad we have good and bad yeah most most of this year has been bad and bad last year was bad and bad and bad and bad and bad <laughs> So, yeah. well, at least, well, at least we've got some good this year. This isn't last this isn't year. too far off from being last year. No, no, <laughs> Ducks haven't won consecutive games since November first, so it pretty much has been good and bad because the Ducks have either won a game, and lost a game for for most of this stretch, or they haven't gone on a, a big losing streak either. It's just been back and forth hockey. They win one, they lose one, they lose two, they win one. Like it's just that's kind of been the stretch that they've been on, where they've been hovering around that three games under 500 mark for the last couple of weeks yeah it's it's been a tough go um i was i was pretty happy though honestly looking at the way the nashville game went especially you know crazy good start into that first period docs looked like they were rolling and then i just kind of remembered that nashville really hasn't been that good this year right like they just have not been this top tier team they can't get a save they that team cannot catch a save I got. I think it was before this game. I, I got to get your opinion on this because you put in the group chat that you didn't like these lines. Was it for this game or was it for yeah, the Columbus? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was not a fan of these lines going into this game. 100% right, man. What What did you not like about these? 
Now, I, barring the fact, yes, Ricard Raquel was out with injury. Troy Terry's still out. But this, that, like, honestly, that's, I felt like that's as good as it gets for the Ducks at this I, point. I was, I was very hard-pressed to be excited about Henrik playing wing with Ryan Getzloff. I mean, Henrik's never been a big finisher, uh, especially because Sprong has been put back in the lineup, which is was nice, right? Um, yeah, but then relying on Lundestrom at, at two C, I was just kind of like, I don't know if that's really going to be the best thing we could do here. Uh, but it turned out to be a really good thing for the Ducks. Honestly, I mean, the, the lines the lines did work out, but I was very confused by the lineup against Nashville. I think the only other thing you can do in this case would have probably been to bump Shore into that Henrik spot, and then Lundestrom down to four C and Henrik at two C, but then. At that point, why even have Lindstrom in the lineup? Right, we've talked about this before. Yep. If you're going to bring the kid up and play him four C between Nick Delorier and Carter Rowney, there's no point in having the kid up at all. So give him a shot between Silverberg, who's the Ducks' best player this year, and then just throw Comtois on there because it honestly felt like they just they needed a, they needed a guy to put on that spot uh, on left wing. But I, I didn't hate him. Uh, it was the, the the healthiest the Ducks forward group has been in a while. And, you know, Henrik's been at, at Getzlaff's wing for a little bit here. Uh, earlier in the season, he got put there as well. And, and honestly, I was just kind of happy to see Daniel Sprong get first-line minutes again. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. We, I remember we talked about this towards more the beginning of the season about, you know, how long is it going to be before we see Daniel Sprong come into the lineup? And we're like, ah, well, if the kids start playing bad, maybe I think we said something like 10, 15 games. I mean, yeah, it, took it took 41 games for Daniel Sprong. And get him an played pretty decent too in, in San Diego as well. Not not great, but not bad. And uh, then it took an article talking about how he was frustrated, and then he got called up. About I think it was about five days after that article came out. Uh, and he it, this was his best game of the year. I think he's only played three or four games this year, so not uh, not a big sample size to draw from. But he looked good. He had that uh, redirect on the rebound in front of the net, and then he picked up an assist in this game too. And that's what you want. I mean, you got to put Daniel Sprong in a position to succeed, and you got to play him with Ryan Getzlaff or, or Adam Henrique if he's at center. I don't think playing him with Sam Steele or Isaac Lundstrom in this game would have been beneficial. You got to put him with the captain if you want him to succeed. There are certain players, and the Ducks have had many of these guys before, Pontus Aberg, among others where you need to put them with Ryan Getzlaff to succeed. That's just the case. Look at other teams you've done this. Look at uh, Chris Kunitz with Sidney Crosby or Brian Rust with Sidney Crosby. Early on, Jake Gensel with Sidney Crosby. And, and and you see it across the league where, you know, Connor McDavid's playing with James Neal and Zach Cassian. Sometimes these guys just get thrown with Ryan Getzlaff. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But in, in this case, I think Daniel Sprong is the guy you need to have with Ryan Getzloff, if Sprong's going to be in the lineup. And they keep talking about on uh, social media, writers or keep saying, you know, that the Ducks are talking about how they want Sprong to play. They wanted to work on both his defensive game as well as his offensive game. And it, I, I don't think every guy needs to be a defensive forward. I, I just, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that notion, right? Like, you I don't have enough. a problem if Sprong just plays wing and, and rips pucks all day. Like, that's what he's there for. Who else in the Ducks lineup is, is not a is a liability in their own end uh you know zach of silver is one of the best two-way guys in the game we've already talked about isaac linderstrom being kind of well beyond his years uh-huh. in, in terms of his defensive responsibility and his defensive acumen and what he can do um same kind of goes for for sam Steele and andre cash as well being reliable players in their own end and, and definitely carter rowney 
uh, is defensively responsible. I mean, you could argue maybe Maxim Comtois a bit, but at least he engages physically and he's not a liability in his own end. So it's not like the Ducks have three or four of those guys in their lineup. Like, if you have one, you can get by with one. If you're playing him on the first line, you're essentially sheltering his minutes with Ryan Getzlaff. You're fine. You're fine because you've got Adam Henrique, you've got Ryan Getzlaff, who are going to be defensively responsible. It's okay to have that one guy. I mean, look, look at the Leafs. You and me were talking about uh, Austin Matthews before we started the podcast. The Leafs have a, a system where they play one winger just high, and that's all he does. He just plays high up in the zone, and and they just try and wear down teams and, and get these quick rushes and quick exits out of the zone to this high winger and that it's mitch marner who's usually the guy who's there sometimes it's austin matthews but most of the time it's mitch marner and some teams just have that guy and i'm not saying daniel sprong is mitch marner but you have that guy you have that guy who's his pure pure reason he's in the top six and in the lineup is to be that one winger who his only focus is offense. Well, he and, can wheel and he can shoot the puck i mean that's and you get the guy you get yeah. the guy that you know the feed breaking out of that zone um, and with full speed, I mean, you kind of want to play a guy like him that way, and I think it's not a bad idea, and the Ducks have kind of utilized Andre Kasha that way, right? He'll play a little high and try to sneak a pass going into the neutral zone a lot too. Uh, and when you have a guy who can feed you like Ryan Getzloff can, I think that's important to have that type of player. I think you're totally right. Yeah, you need a couple of those guys, and I think Andre Kasha is more than responsible enough in his own end, but if you're going to use him in a certain way to kind of boast his offensive um his offensive abilities, then I think that's a good thing for Cash. And we kind of saw that in the game against Columbus where Cash got two goals and looked a little bit like his own his old self and was utilized more in an offensive role where he got placed on a line where he was going to succeed back with, with Sam Steele uh, and Max Jones and was given a little bit more offensive freedom, it felt like, in that game. So hopefully... It's the start of, of something for Andre Kasha where he gets going because he was a guy we expected to have a huge year this year, not just us. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think it was Ian Tulloch with The Athletic. I might be getting the person wrong here, but at the beginning of the year put out the top potential breakout candidates for the upcoming season, and Andre well, Kasha was at the top of his list. Well, dude, that line of Steele, Kasha, and Jones the last two games literally chewed up the competition and spit them out. They dominated five-on-five. Dominated the shot share. I don't care if you look at the analytics or not. If you watch those last two games, every time those guys were on the ice they, and they had the puck, they were dangerous. They didn't let like, they didn't let anyone in the zone to do anything. Um, very dominant play by that line with Steele, Jones, and Kasha. And that's not to take anything away from the gets off line, especially in the Nashville game. Uh, not as dominant against Columbus, but uh, but dude, those two lines looked very very good. And obviously I was 100% wrong on my initial take on Henry playing wing with Gats because uh, they haven't looked bad the last two games. Hopefully this is something they don't switch up constantly if it goes cold for a game or two. They, and Anaheim That's is just this notorious row. for any time something goes wrong. They go, oh, i got to fix it. And just sometimes it takes time. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I think it was the exact same lineup two games in a row, right? Yeah, no, it, it was. The, they went with the same lineup two games in a row. Close games. So and they looked better. I mean, they scored what nine goals over those. So I guess eight technically because it was a five-four shootout win over the the last two games. Mm-hmm. So not not too bad. And they looked decent. There there are still some issues. I mean, you look at the uh, the Columbus game for sure. The the defense in front of Ryan Miller was not great. Uh, Josh Manson with a really weak turnover led to before Nathan you Derby's crush goal. him with that. Let's talk about the Nashville game with Hampus and and Manson. Right, they looked enough. good that game. 
They did yeah, look good that fair. game. <laughs> they have looked better since since getting paired back together, and the numbers kind of back that up. Uh, still some miscues by Manson in both games, and, and that's been a trend for him all year where the giveaways have kind of been at the forefront of his game. But uh, analytically, we're used to these guys doing well and, and, and playing well as, as that shutdown top pairing unit where they get they play the hard minutes and, and they do well. So hopefully this is kind of the start of that because the Ducks need – these guys to be at the top of their game and be back to what they were a couple of years ago, because, you know, surprisingly the pairing behind them and Fowler and Goodbranson has been one of the Ducks better pairings. I don't know how, but it has been. And, and the other surprising pairing was the one we saw at the beginning of the season with Fowler and Del Zotto. So Fowler this year just seems to be whoever he's with. It, it, it seems to be working for that duo. But uh, if the Ducks are going to be successful this year, the, they need Lindholm and Manson to do well. Not Fowler and Goodbranson should not be your best pairing. They need to have more games like the Nashville game. Uh, they played very well. They let in a goal uh, five on five. But, I mean, honestly, they were dominant for most of that game. Lindholm has looked a lot better in these past two games. Um, which everyone has a bad shift. Manson still is a little shaky, though. I mean, he we had a great game against Nashville for the most part. And then last night kind of had like a middling game. You're right. I mean, it's hard to hard to say where everyone feels about where everyone is feeling about Josh Manson. Right? We talked about that when we were talking about who they could trade and where they would want to trade and how strange it is to even talk about it, considering how much we've relied upon him in previous years. Um, Getzloff's clutch, though, man. How about that against Nashville? Three assists and then the uh, the shootout winner. I mean, yeah, him and Fowler both playing three point very very well. Getzloff keeping up. I mean, Steven said you're not going to get the 70 to 90 point guy, right? I think that was Steven's in one of his articles or tweets. Um, it's not happening anymore. But you don't need that, right? He, he's a different kind of player now. And he's he's aged into where he's going to be the effective probably 50 point guy. No big deal. That's that's no, As long because, as you're getting 50 points out of Getzloff at his age right now and where he's playing, that's a great season. Yeah, and, and he's still reliable in the other facets of the game defensively. He's a reliable face-off guy. He's over 50% this year. So he's still getting it done in other areas of the game. And then intangibles, I know we we kind of hate these, but leadership ability and his presence on the ice and in the locker room, you, you, can't, you can't buy that. So he's still going to be an effective player, even if he's not putting up 60, 70 points. It's just the Ducks don't have anybody to replace that offense right now. So that you know, you're seeing them struggle because nobody else can do that. I do have to mention, I did make a mistake with the lineups for the Columbus game. Uh, Brett pointed it out. Comes while I was actually scratched for the Columbus game because Ricard Raquel came back from injury. I mm-hmm. uh, yep. took his spot uh, on the wing with Lindstrom and Silverberg. So I had to, had to point that out there. No, yeah, you were wrong there. But, I mean, uh, that wasn't a bad line either. They didn't play too bad. Before we get to the game last night, Elliot Tiford reported on Monday. Very interesting. It got a lot of Ducks fans all like all perky here. But uh, Patrick Eves on the bench talking to Daryl Sutter during practice. Uh, Terry and Raquel were skating again with Sherwood. It's been eight, only eight games since Terry fractured the bone below his knee, and he's already skating in yes, great Three sign. weeks. In a ten game, or it was supposed to be a ten week prognosis for him to come back, and he's apparently been cleared, cleared to, play to play after three weeks. Now, a lot of people are chalking this up to, "Wow, it's a magical recovery." He, he's way ahead of schedule. This had to be misdiagnosed. <laughs> there is no way this guy is back in three weeks on a ten week prognosis if they didn't misdiagnose this or, or kind of misread how bad the fracture was. Because there's no way you, you just heal seven weeks ahead of schedule. 
it's, I can't it's see pretty, it. pretty insane. Maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe the break doctor, wasn't as but... clean as they thought it was, yeah. or maybe it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. I don't know. I, I just can't see it. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm probably fucking wrong, but I just it just does not seem plausible that they got it completely right in terms of how long he was supposed to be out. You know, maybe it was more of a, a five to six week thing, and yeah, you know, he healed in three weeks, so that's still sooner than it than you you know what was expected. But I can't see him being seven weeks ahead of schedule and being a hundred percent ready to play. So it had to be, you know, probably a, a little bit more of a minor fracture rather than anything. Yeah, or maybe it's a cracker. I don't know. I don't know what you even call it. Brett's saying it's the new magical healer from Toronto. He's finally paying dividends for bringing him in. <laughs> was, was he? He's got a magic wand. He's, was he from Hogwarts? Who's he sitting in the back he doesn't of the dressing room? Injuries. He doesn't prevent injuries. He just gets Ducks players back faster than ever. <laughs> oh, before we it. move on from the Nashville game, we can't move on without talking about Gibby saving overtime. Oh, is that a save? Dude, when I first saw the replay of it, I thought it was in. Like, when I, when I first saw the save, actually, then I saw the replay, they did the overhead. I thought it was in. I'm like, they're going to call it back. They're going to call that back. No, okay. I, I was. I thought you were going to bring up what a lot of people were saying. They were discrediting Gibby because it actually is Rocco Grimaldi who stops that puck from going in. I mean, John sure. Gibson makes the initial unreal save. But then it hits Rocco Grimaldi's stick when he's pulling his stick back out of the oh, net. Are they really? Po- oh, come on! All right, fine. See, I thought you were gonna say that. I no, I was... I'm not. I'm not against Gibby, dude. I hate goaltenders. It's an unreal save, no matter what. He's. I mean, that's that's about as athletic as it gets, and we all know Gibby can do that, and he's done it many times. So that was a game saver for sure. And then Glutch, uh, get, get Clutch, Jesus Christ, gets his Clutch <laughs> in the shootout winner. Uh, he scored, and who else scored in the shootout? Was it Kasha? I can't oh, remember. man, I'll have to go back and look. I know Getz got the winner. I don't remember the shootout. I'm not a huge fan of him. Yeah, I, yeah, I, can't, I, tuned, I think I tuned out in the shootout. I just kind of checked back and <laughs> saw who won. I hate the shootout so much now. It's just not interesting anymore. Let's make a note here. Everyone's talking in, in chat about ketchup and whether they like it or not. Save that for our Patreon show. we got to discuss that with you and Jay. Don't bring it up anymore. We're not going to talk about what it's great for or what you hate it for, but we'll definitely talk. Because different Where things in Canada people from? use it for. I saw ketchup, but it, did this start with a ketchup bottle, Solani? Yeah, it was It was like someone like, oh, like ketchup, you know, starting to score. So like, uh, let's not talk about too much. We'll talk about it on a Patreon this weekend. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, good news, like you said, Terry back somehow Raquel back which is great uh who else Derek Grant is is nearing return Corbinian Holzer was ready but they just didn't play him thank god so everybody is back who else is still out now other than those guys is anybody else still on the IR other than Kessler and Eves I think Uh, that's I think that's it I'm probably forgetting somebody obvious but I'm pretty sure Speaking of team guys, apparently Andrew Cogliano is that guy in the room that everybody misses now that he got traded. Everyone loved that guy, apparently. Hilarious. Uh, Are you surprised? Big, big room guy. You knew he was. I mean, just you could kind of tell he was a room guy. I'm not super surprised that everybody loved him. Oh, Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie is out. Jimmy and uh, Shane brought that up. Thanks, dude. I feel bad. 
to get Nick Ritchie because I'm usually a big supporter of Nick Ritchie, but apparently he's getting close to coming back. But th- this is the closest the Ducks have been to 100% healthy in a long time because pretty much everybody's back now except for Nick Ritchie and then the, the obvious two who are on the LTIR right now or should be on the LTIR. That's it, though. Uh, That's not, not terrible well, if you're getting healthy. Damn it. I'm forg- This is how much I'm out of the loop. I keep forgetting. Jakob Silverberg is now injured. Hold on. We were going to get to that. We were going to get to well, that. Well, I spoiled he's... it, so it's it's too late. Let's he's get injured. to it then. Okay, yeah. Apparently, he took an elbow. Apparently, he took an elbow in the corner within like the first five minutes of him that playing. That nobody cause... saw. Or people saw, but there's no video. I looked. I know. I unless, looked on Twitter, unless too. Unless you want to go back it. and watch the game. He got injured. He has an upper body injury. He took an elbow, apparently, in the corner. Played just under five minutes in that game. Didn't return. No update from Dallas Aikens today. Uh, so he could be day-to-day. could be week-to-week. He could be out for the rest not of the season. Not good. No, Playing the stars Hopefully tomorrow. not. Because if he's out, there's no all-star game for, for Jakob Silberg, which would be supremely disappointing for him. Uh, and then the Ducks would have to send somebody else. Would not, which oh, is obviously oh. not the big thing. It's going to be Cam Fowler. Is, it's going to be C4. The big thing for me is if he's hurt long-term, the Ducks can't trade him at the deadline. Wait, can they I send Cam Fowler? The way the rosters yeah. are constructed now, can they send him if they're going to have too many defensemen or too many forwards? No, no, they can send him because there's only one There's only one defenseman going right now. It's Drew Doughty. True. That's it. I don't know the, how they think it's going to go there because the far uh, three up, they don't care anymore. Brett says the player was falling and Sylvie kind of ran into his elbow. Not good. Yeah. Uh, well, either, he's all right. either way, man, like, hopefully he's okay. Yeah. Now, because he's been the Ducks' best player, but I still think, and I got, I've been getting flamed on this for Twitter, on Twitter, uh, to say that the Ducks should trade him because the, his value is at the highest it is, and I mean more so by anybody listen to our show, the hundreds of people who listen to our podcast, they all know that. How come enough? You, you should be getting a lot of people hating you on it, but I think the majority of the truth is there's a lot of people who think like us, right? I mean, that's yeah. trade these guys who aren't going to be. Listen, here I, I don't hate him. No, I don't not at all. I hate him. I want to trade him because he's worth a lot right now and he won't that's the highest value is going to be i got more hate though from pens fans thinking that the ducks could get kaylin addison and a first for silverberg and something else because the, the world juniors apparently mean everything oh, please because kaylin addison had nine points on a stacked canadian power play on the world juniors he's all of a sudden worth the moon and Jakob silverberg on a pace for 30 goals at lockdown for the next five years is apparently worth nothing to pens fans so they can have fun with a Jeff Carter rental or something like that oh, instead. Spent, like the Pens haven't been in the past used to getting rid of their top prospects. How many <laughs> prospects have they actually kept in the last 10 years? Like Jake Gensel? Is that it? And he wasn't even a top prospect. He just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. Shoot, that's, a, that's a great point. I know Montreal's traded like all of their last eight. Well, Pittsburgh's like the, they're like the perennial people, the perennial team to trade their first round pick on any of their top prospects. They barely ever keep any of them. And then they just get these guys from like random places like John Marino. He's a football quarterback. Yeah, it's his son. Stan Marino's kid. (laughs) Like, he's a football, he's a, he's a right shot defenseman for them this year. Came out of nowhere and is actually playing like decent hockey. The Pens just find these guys in like dumpsters and in like beer leagues. And bring them in, and all of a sudden they're just NHL players. It's awesome. And they can just trade away their prospects and picks because they'll just find these guys wherever. Well, circling it back, I don't want to get too much into the Silverberg trade talk, just because no. we've we've more done of the that. story is Silverberg's hurt, and I'm upset. You were very upset. <laughs> yeah. Let's so, talk about Daniel Sprong. Yeah, because he's producing. Didn't get any points in this game, but nonetheless, he's producing. 
should the Ducks keep him in the top six? Do, and does he stay in the top six? Because he kind of like hit out after he got the goal and the assist. Be like, see, this is what you're missing. This is what I was talking about. I said, you play me in the top six, I'm going to put up points. And then he didn't didn't put any points up in the Columbus game. Okay, but, but let's look at that too. Getzloff and Henrique, uh, that line, I, want, I think they were, they did score, but it was Getzloff on a weird play, right? It, it, yeah. Yeah. So, shot from Delzato gets left tipped in front of the net. Right. So uh, that's they were mostly bottled up by by Seth Jones and Werwinski. And uh, Jones last night had like a three minute and thirty seven second shift in the third yeah. period. That guy never got off the ice. It felt yeah. like um, that guy's a beast. But they played against they played top minutes against that against the one of the best defensive pairings in the league. It's one game. I'm not worried about it. Uh, it. Now, he continues to fall off this cliff of not being able to produce here in the next two, three games. Then maybe you get rid of Sprong or you don't no, get rid of him. You, you slot him down or send him back. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think give him more than two games. It's, it's too small of a sample size to say he's not worthy of being up on the top six. This was a disappointing loss, though, coming <sighs> off God, coming man. off that, that win against the Predators. Yeah. Like the, the Jackets aren't bad. They're 21-15-8. Who's their goalie? They're, they're, yeah, the, the, Corpus Allo was an all-star, got hurt, and now they have Elvis Merzlikens, yeah, Latvian goaltender, who's not to be, to his credit, he hasn't been awful this year, and is you know five of his last, or at least before he came into the game against Anaheim, three of his last four starts have been very very good, and he kind of got not lit up against San Jose because he still played pretty well, but he's he's been on a tear lately, so. I got to give him some credit for that. And the Ducks peppered him with 40 shots. Yeah. And he made 37 saves. So he, he had a good performance. But you know, some of the, the efforts on the Columbus's goal, Columbus goals weren't that great. Like no. I mentioned, kind of grilled Josh Manson for on the Nathan Gerby goal, I believe it was. He just kind of threw it up the boards on a backhand soft pass. It hit a Columbus player's stick and uh, went right to, I think it was uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who centered for Nathan Gerby, who... Yep. Hampus Lindholm just somehow could not muscle a five foot three child from in front of the net. <laughs> yeah, dude, my kids, my kids, five foot, almost five foot one, so barely bigger than my daughter, yeah. who's eleven. <laughs> and Gerby gets uh, gets the goal on that one, and then uh, I feel like I'm mixing up the goals here. I, and I think on the, uh, the the first Zach Wierenski goal, the Ducks had about three or four chances to clear the puck out. Oh, They're just please. really soft efforts. That was one uh, of the worst zone times that I've seen in a. There was in, just uh, no in, urgency, not in a while, but in that game for sure. Yeah, no urgency to get the puck out, and and it ends up cycling around to Wierenski, who just blasts the puck by Ryan Miller. Nothing you can do there. Who was already gets... wiped out on the play before. He was already wiped yeah. out. He had to try to push off him his right to get back to his left and just, you know, was already being wired to the top shelf. Uh, on a team with a decent amount of weapons, right now, Zach Wierenski is the last guy you want to give the puck. He's got seven goals in his last five games. How is this guy? He's leading the Blue Jackets in goals as a defenseman. He's got 15, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, this effort in this game defensively was kind of a mishap. A lot of things going wrong for the Ducks, but we're 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 kind of used to that this year, in terms of of just some very bad turnovers. We went the whole trend of the last podcast we did on Wednesday was how bad the Ducks were over the last four games and in terms of turnovers. And we had that ugly 5-2 loss to the Las Vegas Golden Knights where 
four of the goals were just completely horrible turnovers, like just egregious turnovers. Like that, it led to John Gibson just completely. I, I was going to say throwing his team under the bus, but not really, just speaking the truth mm-hmm. on how bad the Ducks were in their effort in front of him. And it's not really getting better. Like every game, there's a few bad turnovers, and once they start leading the goals, like this, this was supposed to be an area the Ducks were at least going to be decent in. And yeah. goal scoring was supposed to be the issue, but like with everybody back healthy now from the blue line, they're still having issues. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's been it's been a strange season too, and they've done a really, I want to say just a until recently, um, with all the injuries, it's it's tough to mix guys up. Without Manson, it really hurt. Honestly, that was a, that was a real tough loss uh, when he was gone for twenty games because you're kind of cycling through guys who are playing in the AHL being called up all the time. So. Maybe now with Manson back, um, Fowler and Goody have been good, which is crazy. So we'll see if, if, if Manson and Lindholm can return to, I don't know, 90% of what they were, 80% of what they were a few seasons ago, and then you got nothing to worry about. You have, your, you have your top four, then you don't really have to worry about that bottom pair so much. We talk about that all the time. It's hard yeah. to have a real strong third-pair defense um, anyway, unless you were Nashville from like three years ago, three years ago four years ago. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have banked on Fowler and Gooley being a, a long-term thing when we traded. It really uh, seemed like the end of last year, man. <laughs> yeah, well, when we kind of kind of went and ran with that and hoped it'd be a thing, and it, it didn't turn out to to work too well this year. Gooley has not been not been good; hasn't looked NHL ready this year, and that's why he spent some time down in San Diego. Surprisingly enough, Cam Fowler still found success this year with Eric Branson and Michael Del Zotto. and and we talked about that in the last show too. It, it, it's it seems to be not so much who Cam Fowler is paired with, just the way he's been deployed this year, primarily in the offensive zone, which obviously is a huge testament to his success this year and just being allowed to kind of have the freedom to do whatever he wants offensively and, and paired with two guys who have no problem just sitting back and watching them go. Yeah. And, and Del Zotto and Eric Branson, I, I believe the other uh, player he's been paired with the most this year after them is Brendan Gooley, but Brendan Gooley's been up and down. So it, it really it really is, you know, it, I guess the narrative in the past was, Fowler hasn't been successful because he's paired with shit defensemen like Bieksa and Lovejoy and Boschman at times. Maybe it was wrong. Maybe it's just Brandy Carlisle just did not know how to get the best out of Cam Fowler. And Dallas Aiken's offensive high-flying style just fits Cam Fowler's game. I mean, that that seems like it's more truthful. I mean, the, the, would you not expect a game where it's end-to-end and it's high-event hockey to fit Cam Fowler's style? That's that's the way you would kind of expect him to to excel in, right? Kind of figured that's why they brought him and drafted him in the first place. They expected that kind of game out of Cam Fowler, right? I, I agree. And he's one, he's one of, if not the best skater on the Ducks. Uh, why not utilize that? It, it's very interesting. Very interesting how things have changed for Cam Fowler, but yet the defensive side of the game hasn't gotten exponentially better under Aikens as we thought it was going to after Randy Carlisle. It is better. Uh, goaltending behind them is is not that great. I think we're no, we're but Ryan Miller out. last night got hung out to dry. Right, he did. And, and, and he I, he I think, really did. I think the thing to to say is the Ducks, in terms of allowing quality shots and shot attempts against their defense, is better this year. But the turnovers are still bad. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's something that really hasn't changed. But their their just organization in front of their goaltenders this year is better. But it, it's not great. It's just not infinitely better. But we, we talked about how their numbers defensively are a little bit better this year than they were last year. And it was just completely horrendous last year, uh, the effort they were putting in front of their goaltenders. And now it, it's almost just as bad because it's it's bad turnovers. 
and it's it's a big it's like seven games in a row now if not more but seven games after christmas or six or seven games after christmas now that it's been bad turnover bad turnover and they're leading to goals that's that's the the, the harsh thing about this is is they're directly leading to goals if not multiple goals in each of these games i mean so what do you do to fix it that's that's the that's the million dollar question, right? You don't have Branson <laughs> and Delzado as part of both part of your your top six defense, and and then Jakob Larson to some extent as well. I mean, not even to some extent. I don't know, he's man. Not, not Larson's not been good. He's Larson not, has and, not been good. Uh, outside your top three, these are your options. You've got good Branson, Delzado, uh, Jakob Larson, and Kerbinian Holter. That's not good enough. Like that, no. It's just not good enough. You you expect to maybe have one of those guys in in a good defensive setup. You know, I think Lindholm, Manson, and Fowler can be part of of a really good six six guy six man back end. But when the other three of them are, are guys who are, are t- technically borderline NHL players, and and you know I, I don't want to get on Good Branson too much because I have been wrong, and Good Branson's been a really good partner so far for Cam Fowler, but he's not he's not a top four guy. And and Delzato definitely isn't, and Jakob Larson right now is a borderline NHLer, and so is Kabinian Holzer. Like you can't have success on the back end with that many fringe players. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Shane brings up something in chat. He says, "Is the increase in shots a good trend or just a fluke right now? How do you how do you feel about that?" The the increase in shots for the Ducks. Yes. Ah oh, man, I, it's it's hard to tell. I'd have to look at their shots over the last few games, but I I know they put up a forty spot in the last two. I think right they had forty against uh, Columbus. They had what was it forty seven against Nashville, and let's just go back one more game here to see twenty eight against Arizona. I I personally think. It, it, I don't want to say it's a it's a trend, yeah, a good trend. I, I'm I'm kind of in. It's a fluke right now because it's two games, not big enough sample size. The Predators this year are the 27th ranked defense in the entire league, so you kind of expect they've been allowing shots like crazy this year. They've been sewering on uh, Pekka Rinne and UC Saros this year, and the amount of shots they've allowed. So that's kind of a given. Maybe you could argue the Columbus game is a bit better because Columbus, I think, has like the fifth or sixth ranked defense this year. So putting up 40 shots on them uh, is something to kind of to to kind of look to and say that you know, that maybe might be a you know trending in the right direction. But I, I'm it's not enough for me to say the Ducks are starting to put more shots on them. It's a trend that they're playing better. Now we could see them go out against uh, the Stars on Thursday, so tomorrow and put up 25 shots and then that throws that question completely, completely under the water well let's let's look at last season right now i'm looking at just from october 1st through january 8th how many shots they generated um and let's just not even look at that let's just look at scoring chances generated so scoring chances that the Ducks between had. what now and and when so looking at last season first, 2018-2019, October 1st to January 8th, the Ducks ranked 26th in the NHL with 849 scoring chances for and 1,049 against. Now, if you look at this season, so they were 26th. Now we look at this season, and what is this season? Well, that's a 5-on-5, five five too. I'm doing the power play stuff. 5-on-5 five five makes that's more right. sense. We're looking five. at this. Yeah. 
scoring chances for this season, the Ducks are 15th. 905 chances. So, doing better this year. Scoring chances, that's a lot. Yeah, it, it's better. It's not infinitely better. And they've, it's not and astronomically they've let better. It's less than 1,000. 929 chances against rather than 1,049. It, it's basically, but if you break it down like this, it's basically one more scoring chance per game. A little bit more than that. Yep. It's not. It's not significant. That much better. It's slightly better. And and again, how many of those are high danger scoring chances, right? How if that's a, a and you're getting a into minutia there, though, right? You're getting into the into the yeah, but but that's that. that's where you would want to to look and say if the high danger scoring chances are are a lot more. So then the Ducks are, are doing things a little bit better there. And, and I'd have to think it, it's probably around the same. It's probably a, a, a nominal increase from last year. I 379 I this year for 13th best in the NHL. That's surprising. 13th best. Very surprising. They, they can't finish. <laughs> they're That's shooting. The I mean, they're shooting at under eight percent. They're. I mean, they're shooting at seven point seven two percent right now. Oh, a league average is nine percent. Is it not eight or nine percent? So. Yeah. I mean, some of the best teams, the Capitals are shooting at almost 10%, same with Tampa, but that's expected. Yeah. So, yeah, it's close, but it's it's definitely not where the Ducks want to be, right? I mean, we need to see some significant movement in, in goal scoring. If, there's, if they start scoring goals, and it's the dumbest, most cliche thing to ever say, I sound like Jim Fox, but you, you're going to win games. Goals, they're going to win games. Yeah, yeah. and they, and they yeah. haven't found a way to do that. That's been the biggest <laughs> problem for the last two seasons. They can't insight. find goal scoring they just they can't do it they're relying on these kids right now and and people are getting very impatient like i saw a thing on twitter that people are like oh hell no i don't want them to tank i want them to uh you know find their identity this year and and turn things around it's like do you really think that's gonna happen one it's a it's a decade of winning and and now some people getting their first taste of losing and and that's not uh, the, that's not a slight against any fans. It's, it's difficult. It, it is. Yes. It, it's really difficult to go from a decade of winning, albeit still disappointment, not winning Stanley Cup, but to go from that and deep runs in the playoffs and, and you know Pacific Division titles uh, and multiple Pacific Division titles in a row, and then to go to you know, bottom of the league, bottom of the Western Conference for now, you know, second straight season. It's tough, and I I can get it. I completely I can completely sympathize with some people just not wanting that and, and not being, you know, on board with that. Especially when you don't, kind of you don't subscribe yourself to to what goes on behind the scenes and how this could benefit the Ducks, and you, you don't really have that want to to kind of go that deep in into the storyline and and into the development of of which you know the direction the Ducks are going in. No, not everybody wants to get. No, not everybody wants to start a Ducks podcast and talk about the Ducks twenty four seven and get really deep into the issues, right? Some, it, it's true though. Some people true. casually want to follow the team, which yeah. is there's nothing wrong with that. And, and losing is a bit harder. I thought to you were going to get to the insanity part of it shit. of last season where we did post game shows almost yeah. every game last year, and it was like, what do we do? We're on a ten game and, losing streak. What do we do? <laughs> I, mean, I try and black some of that out because that was just ridiculous last year. But uh, they were. Yeah, 20, let's get to a 20, question. Yeah, twenty third in high danger scoring chances last year. At the same time, 
So, okay, so they're better. Better, better this year, just not scoring. Uh, <laughs> Northcott twenty two in our chat. We kind of talked about this before, but he said, if Gibby was playing the same level as last year, would be a we would we be a playoff team right now? Ooh, it's a good question. So, how much would Gibby be moving the needle? Let's say he added. Let's say Gibby added. Wins. Yeah, let's say he added like five. Four. We're basically talking about war right now, are yeah. we not? Essentially? Yeah, we are. We are. above That's, replacement. Yep. So I think he has four or five wins. Anything more than that is like elite level, um, you know, kind of impact. Where, where'd you go? Did you go to have... Evolving Wild to look at that right now? I'm not actually going and looking at war. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what Gibby's war was last year before the fall off, right? Yes. Uh, around the January, February mark. Um. But man, I, I just I playoff team is a stretch. Like, what is what is eight to ten more points do for the Ducks right now? Um, Probably puts put them them in the playoff spot. Let's say you give them ten points, it puts them at uh, forty nine points. For so it puts them later. it puts them just outside the playoffs. <laughs> forty nine points yeah. just outside. So forty, yeah. So they're what they would be two points out of a playoff spot um, behind Calgary with games in hand and one point behind Vancouver. So it, it makes them a borderline playoff team for sure. And then you think of that consistency down the stretch, the fact that some of these teams are bound to uh, go on a losing streak at some point, Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, right? So there's definitely, it puts them in the discussion. If John Gibson is playing at the same level he was last year, does it make them a good playoff team? No, but it does, I think, make them, uh, it makes them, you know, a, a candidate for the playoffs, if you want to say that. Yeah, but and you know what, though? I mean, we've talked about it, too, but I mean, he, that's a good question, what uh, what Northcott 22 asked. And, and, you know, my honest feeling on it, I know it's yours, too. I kind of i am not rooting for the, my team to lose. Like we said last year, we don't like watching losses. But, I mean, dude, if they make the playoffs, what's it going to do besides bring the owners an extra couple bucks? Like, it's really not going to help the team. I, I think they need to significantly change the the roster and they need to get picks and prospects they need to bring in some high-end talent and they got what they hope is that in trevor zegris and uh Braden tracy we hope is going to become that well, we still have hopes for uh comtois and steel and jones and terry too top five pick this year too <clears throat> yeah we're Hopefully. really they really got to start rebuilding this roster from the ground up um a decade of winning you can't complain about that you just gotta at some I- point you have to understand that the losses are going to happen yeah, I, I got yelled at on Twitter by uh, a Ducks fan who uh, felt that the Ducks losing has no benefit long term, long term or short term, because fans not coming to Honda Center is financially bad, and the owners won't let that happen. So that means they're not going to trade players and they're not going to try to be bad as, that's, as it was that's- put. That's to say that the ownership is stupid and doesn't understand that they need picks and prospects. That's also to say that the Ducks are are doing well in attendance right now, which they're not. No, they're not doing amazing. And in order to to get the attendance, you need to have a winning product, sure. But, I mean, the things go stale, right? I mean, that happens. And guys get older and, and get out of their prime. What are you going to do? Just rely on the you know on this aging you're gonna keep silverberg to bring a 200 more people to the game <laughs> it's like come <laughs> on and you know what it'd be great if they could figure out a way to keep Silv and and bring in another player without having to give up him but i mean he's our best asset right now he's not injury yep. prone unfortunately he took a weird hit last night 
Um, Andre Kasha, you take out his concussions, I would say he's probably our best asset. But with the injury proneness of Kasha uh, and his inability this season to score like he had last season, I mean, he was shooting at 3% before he put in the pucks the past couple of games. Um, I mean, it's tough to not look at Silverberg and say, yeah, that's our guy we got to move, right? You, you got to move him. You got to make room for the kids if you're going to hold on to them as well. Oh, man, I, I wish I knew what article it was. It was, I think it was Sportsnet. I can't remember. It was, it came out today. It was looking at like the 27 top like trade targets for this, for the trade deadline. And Silverberg, or not Silverberg, Andre Cash was only duck on it. He was like 15, uh, 15th on that list. And, and they got a quote from an, uh, an NHL executive that talked about how, you know, he's, they the basically said he's injury prone. Uh, and and this seems like the fit with the coach hasn't been there this year, but there's still value there. And I I, I would agree with the first part. I don't know yet if I agree with the second part. That no, the fit I don't isn't agree there with, with the, the coach yet. Cause no, because what was he a better been, fit with Carlisle? <laughs> well, I just don't think he's been in there enough this year to to kind of get that consistency in his game. And and then obviously he scores two the other night. So let's let's kind of break down Andre Kasha. But it, it's been. Um, tough year for him injury wise and and, you know he hasn't consistently been in the lineup for a long enough time to really fully assess his season and his play but he's got 16 points in 37 games only five goals two of those came last night i or the other day i guess last night now against the uh the columbus blue jackets uh can andre kasha finally turn the corner here like can he can he get to 15 or 20 this year if he goes on a run here um I think he can. I don't see why not. He's got the skills that haven't gone away, but uh, he just really hasn't been the same guy. He hasn't looked the same uh, at all this season. You don't see him as being this explosive finisher uh, that we all expected to have, like we already said, it's, you know, to have this windfall of goals. It just hasn't happened for him. And um, it's shooting luck, too. I mean, you don't shoot at 3%, right, your whole career when you're Andre Kasha. It's going to get yeah. better for him. Five goals on 100 shots. Pretty That's tough. A tough goal. And how That's many games has he played in? 37. 37, which is surprising, eh? He's played in 37 games this year. Felt and like he's, he's, and been he's shooting out for most 5%. Of this yeah, played in 30 games last year too. It it's been a been a tough go for How many Kasha. shots on goal did he have last year? Uh it, it won't show me. I'm no. looking at the Sportsnet app. Uh it it was up there though. He was he was shooting at a high volume last year before he got injured. Yeah, uh, it, it, in terms of shots per sixty, he was up there with some of the top guys in the league, like Gallagher, and I think he was only second to Gallagher in shots per sixty last year. I mean, why don't I mean, why don't you think it's possible for him to put up? Let's say he puts up thirty points in the second half. I think that's possible for him. Oof, man, that's almost a point per game. Thirty that's, points in the uh, second half. I, I don't see why not. I really don't see why not. I mean, I could I could see it. Uh, I'd be more apt to say ten goals, ten assists. You know, so, so 20 points second 20, half? 20, 20 to 25 points. I'd be more comfortable saying that. I think 30 is tough because the way Andre Kasha puts up points, it's usually primarily goals. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at 15 goals in the second half. Maybe. 15 to 20 goals in the second half. That's uh, that's, 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 that's some high hopes. second half for anybody. No, right? it's very true. So, uh, I mean, I would love to. I would love to see him get back on track. I, I just don't know. Uh, if we're going to see it, let's let's get into some of the other stuff we have here because we're going to run out of time before we even get into the rest of it. Um, Eric Stevens put out his grades, midseason grades for the Ducks. 
Uh, let's let's kind of go over his rankings and, and see if we agree with it. You guys can chime in in the chat too. Let's, let's go pretty quick then. Let's just go yeah. like thumbs up, thumbs down on some of these, or you say yeah. agree, disagree, or what you would give here. We won't yeah, go players, in deep on everybody. Yeah, players here listed in alphabetical order. Maxime Comtois got a C. And Comtois right now, nine points, four goals in 26 games. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed in the kid, but he's also a kid. So I think... So, I think a C, thumbs C up, minus. thumbs down, and and what? Yeah, what grade you're gonna give? C, him. So C, C minus. minus. You think? Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't be too hard on him. I I'll go C minus. I mean, I don't, I don't think nine and twenty six is bad across a whole season. It's around. It's close to thirty. It's not terrible. It, it's a little bit less than you, you kind of expected this year, but I think C minus is fair. I think anything above a C uh, is a bit tough. Uh, next up, Michael Delzato. He gave him a B minus slash C plus. Eight oh, points for Delzato in twenty nine games. Only, and he's a plus two. It, it hasn't been horrible for Delzato. I, I want to say that I have to agree with Stevens here. I mean, I know that Fowler's a big deal uh, when it comes to this ranking for Delzato, but dude, it, it's it's nice to see. Uh, not a boat anchor with Fowler and Fowler able to thrive. So I think I could go with, uh, I could agree with Stevens here. C plus. Yeah, I, I think C plus. I, I like C plus better than B minus. I'm not ready to put him in that B territory no. yet. Um, this one is interesting. He gave Nick Delory a B. And uh, Nick Delory has five points in 31 games. I think it all depends on how much you value fighting. Nick Delory has the most fights to anybody in the league with nine this year. Uh, that depends on how much you value that. But a B. Give him a B. I don't have a problem with Nick Delory. I haven't seen him really. Dude, but a B off five points and one. I, goal. I don't think it's just points. So, like you look the way he's evaluating these guys. He's he's evaluating everything about him, and you know he he said that a big part of it is the way that the, his teammates view him in the locker room and the way he's able to protect guys and keep guys honest. And that's a real thing in the NHL, man. It is as much as we shit on it. It's a real thing. Um, I, I would put him as I would put him in a C myself. I put him at no. a C. I don't think I put him at a B. I give him a C. A, a B, no. A B is doing. Cam Fowler, an A. I'm with, I'm on board with this. I'd go A plus. I feel like it's too much. I think a or A minus for me. I think he definitely he, he's above a B plus. He's A or A minus for me. Ah man, yeah. The way his game has changed, I would go with A minus. And I'm not saying like A minus across the entire league, like just grades for this team. For this, this team, year. yeah, it's we're not, not ranking him against like last year's <laughs> for Winsky or like that. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Cam Fowler's bar he set the past few seasons of where he's at. Yeah, uh, Ryan gets left B plus. I would agree, man. And it was this yeah. article. Yeah, he did. You know, he's not a seventy to ninety point guy anymore. Eleven yeah. goals and thirty points for Ryan Getzlaff. That's a great first half games. for Getzlaff. Last year, Getzlaff had forty eight and sixty seven. Had eleven. Had fourteen goals last year. So Getzlaff on pace this year for sixty points on, across an entire season. Obviously, he missed a couple games. Sixty points and twenty two goals. If he was to play across an entire season, that well, that would be his best season since. 2017 2018 where he had 11 goals and 61 points and his best would, goal total since 2014 2015 i would probably give him an a honestly uh, yeah i, I, I a minus i'd give him an a minus i think yeah i'd go a on this one i, I like getsy um he's definitely not as defensively stout as he used to be he slowed down a bit so it's tough to keep up with the younger centers for sure but uh, he hasn't looked out of place. Um, the team thrives behind him when he produces. Obviously, he's still clutch. I have to go with an A on this one, man. 
Yeah, I, I, I can't. There, there was isn't too much wrong with Ryan Getzloff's game this year. He's taken a step forward, which is hard to ask for at 34, right? So it, it has been an, an impressive step forward for uh, for Ryan Getzloff. This next one, I think, is going to cause some contention. Uh, John Gibson, yes. a B and a B minus. I got to give Gibby a C, C plus max on this one. Yeah, he I has not to. been helped out in front of him. No, but some of this a bit is on him. And and I I would goaltending around I the league's go, not been great, man. Let's be honest. I don't like, think B minus is a stretch. C plus. I think I would C, go C plus. B minus or C plus. Yeah, I would say that too. I can't give him a B. I think that's a bit too far. He has been last year. He was an A plus. So exactly. If you're going to compare it to last year, then it's a it's a, a B minus or a C plus. I wish Jason was here. I'd love to hear his take on this, man. I would love. Oh, he, he, he would just rip Gibson me through hating on goaltenders. I know. Uh, Derek Grant, an A minus. Dude, I'd have to look at the other side of the puck from him. I know he scored point four percent on the faceoffs. He is only logging about thirteen fifty two per game. I would have to again, like you said, look at like kind of the analytics behind what he's doing here. I don't think they're great. Uh, I think A minus is a bit high. I give him a B plus just on the goals. He's got nine goals, like so he deserves a B plus for that. But uh, well, he has he hasn't played a in a few weeks, so I got to give him a I got to give him a C. I know he's injured. I can't him, so yeah. I can't I give go. him a higher rating than Ryan Getzlaff. I, I, I give him. I give him. What are you gonna give him? I give him like a uh, a B a B B B or B plus. Uh, yeah, I got to go B minus with uh, with Derek Grant. B minus. Uh, Eric, Eric Goodbranson, a B. You know what? I'm on Dude, board with it. I, I was just going to say the same thing. I can't find enough mistakes that I've seen from him in order to shit all over this one. I got to go with a and B. He's got seven points in 32 games, which is like, which is more than he's ever put up. Dude, in, and he like, got spit in terms of pace wise in his mouth. Um, yeah. Got to give him some credit for that. He's a plus that. two. He's a plus two, which I'm plus minus is dumb, but he's a plus two. He's he's, he's been solid, that. man. He hasn't been terrible as much as we. I would venture just... to give him a B plus. No, B's good. Don't don't be getting crazy and give him a B plus, dude. <laughs> Brendan Gooley, C minus. I'm I'm more disappointed than Gooley, man. I have to go D plus on this one. I know it's not far from a C minus, but D D plus. I was very disappointed um, when he played up. Uh, with the club, I expect I had a lot of high expectation for this kid after last season. Seeing him skate with Cam Fowler, being one of the fastest players in the AHL, thought it'd be a great brand of hockey to play him. Um, and, and like shelter, shelter Cammy and Gooley, right? Give them the, yeah. the not difficult matchup to light guys up. It didn't work out the way it is. This is just this season in my take. I, I got to go DD plus. No, nope, fair enough. Uh, I would. I would. I think C minus. I, I I agree with that a bit. Um, eighteen games isn't enough for me to to drop him down to D. Um, I feel like if he played a few more games, he might have been able to redeem himself. So I, I'll agree with the C minus. What this this eighteen games he played weren't that great. So I'll give him the C minus for that. Uh, Adam Henrique with a B. Henrique has fourteen goals, ten assists, twenty four points in forty three games, uh, playing over a full season, uh, better than last year. On pace for twenty eight goals. I go B plus. Uh, around He's that. been twenty eight goals and forty eight points. It'd be close to a career high season. He's great. For Adam Henrique. So yeah, I'd give him a B plus. And anytime you're on pace for a career high year uh, and you're scoring at the rate Henrique is, I'll give him a B plus. I think he deserves it. Um he's right up there with what, what Ryan Getzloff has done and taking a step forward. Mm-hmm. Holzer, uh, a C. I will give him a big D plus. Yeah, I have to go with D also, man. Uh, I I would go with D. He's been very shaky every time he's on the ice. 
No explanation either. The whole series nope. has not been that good. And he's been paired with the Echo Larson. So we got to go. These, we got to get going a little faster because we have yeah. quite a few players left. Max Jones, <laughs> a C, uh, six points over 32 games. I am going to give Max Jones a C minus. I'm going to stay with a C. Um, I know that I'm partial to this guy. I think he's a good player. Um, he's been utilized in different areas of the game. He's played physical. He's always hounding the puck. And, uh, dude, I, it's hard to give him anything lower than what Stevens already did. I think C's a solid one. Just uh, not the same as last year. I would have given him a C plus, uh, B minus last year. And uh, the uh, off the puck hasn't been as good as it was last year. So I, I give him a, I give him a C minus. Andre Cashy gave a C minus a D plus. D plus. Uh, I would, I'm with Steve. I would there. have to. I would have to agree with him because it just has not been a good year for Andre Kasha offensively. We, we he's there for scoring goals and maybe it is horrible shooting like like uh, like Eric Stevens has, has said here, but man, you, you just can't justify anything higher than that right now. Jacob Morrison, uh, your boy, D your plus, favorite player uh, on the team, man. <laughs> I would venture to give him a D minus, verging on an F. Wow! Disappointed in Jakob Larson this he year. He has he's not, not been good. Been good. In any aspect good. of the game, he has not been good this year. Um, I yeah, I would I would argue he has been the the worst dog this year. I thought I, you were going to give him an F plus. I, I was always my favorite when people got an F plus in school. It's like <laughs> you failed, but almost not. <laughs> Yeah, it's just been mistakes, and the, you know, the offense was never there, but it's not there at all, and and you know, just not not been a great season for Miller Larson. I think D plus is generous for him. All right, what do we got next? Uh, Lindholm, Lindholm, B, B minus, A plus. We got to go A plus with Lindy here. No, come on, <laughs> but like to be fair, Lindholm does have 17 points this year, which is which is on pace on across a full season, a career high for him. Um, so I'll, I mean, I'll take it. The goals aren't there, which I'm, is I'm a giving, bit disappointing. I'm giving, I'm giving Hampy a B. Um, I'll, I'll stick with the B minus. I think there are some things I haven't liked this year, but I still think he's he's generally been pretty good for the Ducks. Uh, Let's skip to Manson. Yeah, Manson. We got Manson, and the only other one we'll cover, or I guess, well, let's just say we, we know Silverberg's an A plus. Silverberg's yeah. an A plus. We know that. Uh, Rowney, I don't care. Richie, not played enough games. So Manson gave a D. I would full heartedly agree with that. Full heartedly agree with that. I think Manson deserves a D, maybe a D minus. Yeah, I gotta go D minus, man. I'm very, very unimpressed with this game. I know he um had a had a knee injury this year. He was out for twenty uh, twenty games, but uh, just not been the same guy since his thirty was a thirty seven point season. Two years ago, yep. even Steven says it in his article, he hasn't been the same, man. And I agree. This is a spot-on um, analysis from Stevens. I love I love the fact he writes to the athletic gets to do stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, he's, he's been pretty close on all of these. I mean, Ricard Raquel, he had a B-, I'd agree with that. I think he's been good. He's better than last year, but not better than two – not really even close to two years ago. So I, I think B- is fair for them. I don't think he's a C, so and I, I th- think B- is fair. What about Miller? Miller's a curious one. I mean, he's got a sub-900 save percentage, but I don't think it's all his fault. <laughs> No, the he's, Ducks have just played awful. Yeah, he's, he gets the second of back-to-backs a lot too, as well. So uh, it, it's a bit tough. Uh, last one of the players, two of the players, I want to get to Sam Steele C minus Troy Terry C. I would flip that. I would give Sam Steele actually a C plus and Troy Terry a C minus. I've liked Sam Steele better than Troy Terry this year. I don't know Me how too. Troy Terry. Gets, I agree with you. I don't you on know that. how Troy Terry gets a higher rating than Sam Steele at all. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm with you on but, that, man. Sam Steele has a, like a 54% face-off percentage this year, which is surprising for a guy who I thought at one point wasn't going to be a center in the NHL. So that just on that basis, I think uh, 
I'm a bit more surprised in, in Sam Steele. Well, he uh, also grades la- the coaching here real quick. And so that's uh, the last one I wanted to get into was coaching. He okay. gave Dallas Aikens a B. I would year. agree with that, except we never really got into the uh, the offside goal challenge um, from the Columbus game. It's so hard to judge the coach that it should because the know. team is so bad, and I generally like Dallas Aiken's style. So I would I would have to agree. I just I can't judge it that well this year. Like you know what you know what I'm saying. Like the the special teams have been all over the place. It's gotten better, and we know bad goaltending is a reason the Ducks are so bad this year in terms of where they're positioned. We think they could be a better team if they had. Somewhat of the goaltending they had last year. Goal scoring is still an issue, but that's not really Dallas Aiken's fault. No. Like he has he's gotten the best out of the Ducks best players that that were looking to improve last year. Like if we look at Fowler, Silverberg, Raquel, Getzlaff, they all needed to take steps forward for what they did last year, and they are. He's getting the best out of the Ducks best players, right? Yeah, like, and he's not getting they're not getting saves like they were last year. And on top of that, it's, you gotta look at roster construction, you gotta look at Bob Murray, um, and what the players he's bringing in, right? So yeah. Yeah, it's not all Aiken's fault. I think Aiken's done a good job with what he's had. Okay, last two th- – unless you have something, i got two things to end the show with here. No, go ahead. Let's uh, bring them. Let's do it. Okay. We had – somebody had asked earlier, all-star jerseys. Oh, yes Jesus or no, Christ. Sure. Now, I, somebody brought – I hated it, but somebody brought something up to me that made me not – I still hate Shut that, up. No, I don't care if it's a music Stop. To appre- no, to appreciate the design <sighs> that the five lines are like – the whatever they're called on like you know like a music sheet uh it's bad the, the, dude. The, i i it still looks ugly but there is some creativity behind the reasoning of it I but they're guess. still ugly sure. and like the color the color design i would they would look better with black and white like last year the logos instead of like this weird like where's the all-star game this year st louis st louis yeah. that's why they have, that's why they have the the music note thing it looks stupid um I don't like them, but they're, they're it was split. Horrible. It was kind of split. I think I think it was probably I'd have to go and count the responses to our post, but I think it was like sixty forty in terms of people who didn't like it and liked it. I, I could be way off uh, on those numbers. Dude, I don't get it. I saw some people who said they actually liked them. I don't that's, get it either. That's but bad. They did. They're bad. Um, I wanted to talk about the Connor McDavid goal on Morgan Riley because it was just disgusting. Oh, but of course, we'll you got to bring that up. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring save it up the that time. for Pucks and Brews or Rant Show or something. Um, so the last thing I, I want to get to is I have four scenarios. I guess eight, but in, in blocks of four. Oh, we didn't talk about Corey Perry and Andrew Cogliano getting their uh, tributes tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk about that because we have to talk about the upcoming games. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll briefly talk about that. Uh, but first, I'm going to give you four. Oh, Jesus. Are we betting airline tickets on scenarios. this? No, no, we're not betting anything. I just want to know what you think is more likely. <laughs> And, and it's it's all duck scenarios here. Okay. Uh, you haven't seen these because I put them in a different section I here. I have not seen them. So, first one. What is more likely? The Ducks finish with more than 85 points this year Ooh. or they win the draft lottery. So, right now, just so you have kind of a reference. They're at 39 points. The Ducks are on pace for... I think if you don't count the last two games and just take it from the halfway mark of the season, they're on pace for 74 points. So they're I think it's better off. They're most likely going to get the highest odds to get the top draft pick for sure. Well, they're not going to be higher than Detroit. Than Detroit. Um, why is, why are they, oh, pick odds, here we go. So their odds right now to get the number one overall pick are 8.5%. Do you think they have a better than 8.5% chance to have more than 85 points this year? 
I think they're going to be the second worst team in the NHL when it's all said and done. So do you think they have a 13.5% chance to get 85 points this year, more than 85 points? They're not going to hit they 85 less points. They have a better chance to win the draft lottery. All right. You're, yeah, well, our, our listeners, Ricky and, and Brett both said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, did they? I, I, would, I would agree with you. 85 Perfect. points yeah. is a stretch for the Ducks this year. Uh, second one, Silverberg scores 30 or the Ducks have more than 320 goal scores. By the end of the season. Oh, Sylvie scores 30. You insane? I, I mean, you don't think Adam Henrique, who's at 14 already, could hit 20? And you don't think somebody else could, you know, Ricard Raquel could get hot or get slapped? I hope could they hit both happen, but it's not happening. Sylvie's going to hit 30 before we have 320 goal scores, dude. You're putting a lot of faith in these guys. Think of that. Silverbrook has to get real hot here and stay uh, healthy. I know. I know. But I, I love this team, and I love every player on this team as much as everybody else, but I just don't see three 20 goal scores on this team. I don't well, see two. The, the chat is is on par with you again. I am actually leaning the other way here because I don't think Silverberg hits. Don't you have 30. a bet with Brett on this? Of course you're not going to bet. That. I don't think Silverberg hits 30, so that's one 20 goal score. I think Henry gets to 20, and I think Getzloff gets to 20. Mm, gets you to 20 would be a more, dream. More likely than, than Silverberg hitting 30. Interesting. Uh, here, here Here's a next year one. Trevor Zegris scores 50-plus points next year, or Daniel Sprong is on the opening day roster. That's a tough one. Well, because I would rather it be Zegris, but I think Sprong is no, the opening day No, but what's more likely? Roster. That's the question. What's more likely, likely Sprong is on the opening day roster. You think so? Yes. All yes. right. Well, and I'll, it's in Daniel Sprong's court now. See how he does for the rest of this the trial he gets here. Uh, 50 points is a lot to ask from a rookie, but he's it is. really, really good. He's really, really good. I know. I think it's more likely, as much as I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely that Trevor Zegers scores 50-plus points because I don't think Daniel Sprong is on the opening day roster next year. I think he is. Uh, last one, and it's a this-season question. Oh, Andre wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Can I retract that? I'm going to flip that. I was on the, I'm, I'm going with Zegers hitting 50 points. What changed your mind? Um, because the way this team is moving around roster players and Sprong can't really hang right now when people, um, are healthy. So when everyone's healthy, I don't see Sprong having a roster spot and potentially not playing next season with the Ducks. Yeah. Isn't his contract over this summer? It is. He's an RFA. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Okay. Last one. And then I, f- I forgot we still have fan questions too, but <laughs> we only have two, but last, last question for this. What's more likely segment we have here. Andre Kasha scores 20 goals this year, or Derek Grant scores 20 goals this year? Which is more likely? Well, Derek how many does Grant, Grant have? Grant has nine, Grant and Kasha has, has nine, what, what, five? Derek Grant, uh, Kasha has five. And there is, <laughs> there are 30. <laughs> is there a third option? No one's, neither one of them. No, it's what's more likely. What's yes, more likely? likely neither one Kasha. of them are getting. Likely Kasha more than, than Grant, of course. You think it's more likely Kasha gets 15 in the next 39 games than Derek Grant getting 11 in the next 39 games? Absolutely. All right. I think, I mean, I'm on board with that, too. <laughs> but chat went against me on that one. I just brought our chat up. It's uh, Chell yeah, it's and, Grant and Grant. Yeah, they're saying Grant and Grant. Um, okay, fan questions. We have two. We have to get to them because it's a shame if we miss them. Do it. Uh, what do we got? Instagram. We had... Last time I checked, one still had one. Maverick underscore 87. Any big moves in the offseason? 
Oh boy, big moves this off season. Um, trades, or, trades or free agency signing. Shoot, that's a really good question. I don't see. I say no. I I, I see. I something. say no in free agency. Maybe a trade. I see a trade. If, if, the tra- if, if there's see... no if there's no trade at the deadline, I see a trade in the off season. There's a draft. Okay. Bobby's going to do something at at uh, at both. He's going to trade somebody at the deadline, and he's going to trade somebody at the draft. That's where he's going to pick up his his. He does a lot of draft trading, right? More so doing anything at the deadline. The team's not competitive. Who's he going to bring in? He might just be selling at the deadline, which would be smart. Um, I do see Jacob Silverberg being moved uh, at the at the uh, trade deadline. I do see that. I could definitely see that. It should happen. Um, I, I I don't think there's any big moves made, but I, I feel like if there's a trade, uh, or if anything is more likely for a big move, it's a trade rather than a free agent signing. The Ducks aren't going to go big in free agency. They would likely be selling assets for draft picks at the draft rather than going and trying to get a big splash in free agency, which, which they should be doing. They shouldn't be making any sort of splash in free agency this year because um, there aren't some enticing names like Tyson Berry and guys that could actually help this Ducks team in terms of positional need, but you shouldn't be going out and getting Tyson Berry and what it would cost you to get Tyson Berry right. or Alex Trangelo or whoever else. Now, if this was uh, the expansion draft here, it would be very, very interesting. It'd but be, it would be. Yeah, we're all, we're getting close. I can't handle another one right now, so we'll wait. <laughs> uh, Duncan is our last question from Twitter. Uh, he said, uh, can you honestly say that Troy Terry has been better than Daniel Sprong? Specifically looking at the body of work both of them have put out so far, do you think Daniel or Troy is better? Oh, boy. That's a really Troy good Terry, question. Troy Terry, eight points in 33 games. Daniel Sprong's only obviously played three. But over the 50 games that Daniel Sprong has played, he has 15 goals and 21 points. Over Troy Terry's... 65 games in the last two seasons he has seven goals and 21 points i think potential wise i know sprong is still young same amount of points more I, games for 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 trey terry though i i think terry's the better player in the long run i just that's just my feeling on it one thing i think might surprise you they are both the exact same age 22 yeah, years i knew that sprong was young too he's not some aged yeah. veteran that and maybe it's because he's also losing his hair, a la Mark Messier or Ryan Getzlaf. Yeah. So it kind of makes him look a little bit older than uh, than Troy Terry. But uh, man, honestly, to answer that question, I think Daniel Sprong has been better than Troy Terry. He has been better, tenure. but I think long term, you're gonna. I think Terry will be the better player. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I, I think right now, Sprong over their tenures with this team, Sprong has been better. Um. I've never been as high on Troy Terry as others have been. I think he has the potential to be better than long term, but everybody forgets that Daniel Sprong was a second round pick and is produced at every level. I mean, he's torn up the AHL when he's been there. It's not like he hasn't produced in in the NHL, right? Like he he had 19 points and 14 goals last year, and the, the three games he's played this year he has a goal and assist. Like he he's still he's still been productive. I, I would say. Now and into the next two or three years, I think Daniel Sprung is a better player if he gets a shot in the NHL. Yeah. Um, mm. All right, wrapping up the show here. We'll be back on Sunday. Uh, the Ducks play Dallas tomorrow, so Cogs and Perry get their 
uh, what is it? Their celebration, their honoring, their video. Eve, yeah, per Perry's wish, he wanted to be honored despite not playing. So yeah, suspended <laughs> but still getting the honor, which is nice. Which no, is nice for sure. To see. Uh, and then the Ducks take on the Blackhawks on Saturday. Your predictions: Do the Ducks win one, two, or none of these games? Oh, they're gonna. They're gonna. I hope they. I hope they do. But I uh, beat the Stars tomorrow. I don't think they will. The Stars are a really good team. Um, I think they beat the wheels off of Chicago on Saturday, though. Uh, I don't think they beat the wheels off of them. I think they do. I think, they, I think they're going to come out and they... crush that stupid-ass team. I hate Chicago as much as – almost as much as I hate the Islanders. Yeah, I don't know. I would I would say Stars, I don't want to say no chance, but it's a tough game. That Dallas has kind of been on a roll lately. They've got two of the best goaltenders in the league right now. Um, man, Chicago is an interesting one because they're both bad. For the tank, you hope the loss. For just the brutal beatdowns we've had from Chicago in the playoffs in the past, you hope the W, right? That's That's kind of what you're hoping for. And like I said, Sunday we'll be back with another episode, and we have an interview – that night, that will release hopefully on Monday with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. We'll be talking Trevor Zegris and Lucas Stostel at the World Juniors, uh, Jakob Silverberg and his trade value, some of the Ducks' prospects. We'll talk about the 2020 draft and if the Ducks can find another piece to add to this rebuild, among other things. So we had Scott Wheeler on, I think, after the draft last year. And that was one of our one of our favorite interviews to have him on. So it'd be oh, yeah. nice to have him back on on the show. And uh, I, I think we'll depending on how long that goes, we might just release that as a kind of a bonus episode all to you guys. If it's like over a half an hour, if not, we'll kind of just throw it into the next podcast. But presume kind of think of it right now that it's going to be a bonus episode that just kind of gets released in between episodes. That's likely what we're going to do with it. Oh, sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you want to hear bonus episodes from us and you haven't already checked out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash puckguysforevermighty. Uh, plenty of things that we, we give back to those who support us. So check it out there. We release two bonus shows a month. Uh, they're fun, and uh, we get to drink one of them, so it's even better. Pucks and Brews is a great show. We do a rant show, which we're going to be discussing um, whatever topics that piss each other off or that uh, you, the fans, want to listen to. We'll be doing that one here within the next week. So stay tuned for that or check it out if you haven't already at Patreon. And um, there's, I think Jay and I are planning a watch party. I'm not sure 100% what day it's going to be, but I think it's going to be early February. So be on the lookout for that on Twitter, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon. All right. Take care, guys.